0: There are currently many barriers and gaps in the
1: Indigenous economy. The most critical gap for Indigenous entrepreneurs is access to capital.
2: Indigenous entrepreneurs do not necessarily have capital behind them or collateral, so accessing capital is their biggest challenge.
0: The Baby Boomers are transferring 41 trillion to the Millennials. Millennials
1: have a different expectation. The intrinsic values and aspirations of Indigenous communities and entrepreneurs are aligned with the direction the world is going in.
3: In many ways, social finance is finally catching up to how Indigenous communities have operated for a very long time.
2: Social finance and impact investing are movements that will have a very positive impact on the growth of the Indigenous economy. This will have an
0: impact on Corporate Canada's relations with Indigenous communities.
3: We need to think about how we best invest in Indigenous young people. We have to look at them as job creators and the leaders of the economy.
2: Building economic reconciliation is a process. The Indigenous economy is going to exceed 100 to 150 billion in the next 10 to 15 years.
0: By building partnerships with Indigenous communities and businesses, there is a significant opportunity for both financial gain, social impact and prosperity for all of Canada.
4: Hi, everyone. I'm Tim Penketh, founder and editor of thefutureeconomy.ca. We interview Canada's leaders in business, government, and other key stakeholders to define a strong vision for Canada's future economy and the changes we need to make now to get there. Today we're going to be speaking about the future of Canada's indigenous economy with specific attention to social finance and the important issues to resolve on our journey towards economic reconciliation. Thefutureeconomy.ca just published a spotlight feature on this subject that dives into the important issues and forces shaping the future of our Indigenous economy. Head over to thefutureeconomy.ca to read that. As with all our spotlights, we brought together four top leaders from Canada's Indigenous economy to give you unique insights on what must be done now to best position ourselves for success.
0: I'm Shannon Matatawaban, CEO of NACA, the National
1: Aboriginal Capital Corporations Association. My name is Jeffrey Sear. I'm the managing partner of Raven Indigenous Capital Partners.
3: I am Jocelyn Formsma, and I'm the executive director of the National Association of Friendship Centres.
2: My name is Clint Davis. I'm the CEO of North 35 Capital Partners.
4: There are more than 630 Indigenous communities across Canada, from coast to coast to coast. These communities represent about 5% of Canada's population. However, for the most part, Indigenous people do not enjoy the same quality of life as other Canadians do. One of the main factors contributing to this disparity is the widespread infrastructure gap Indigenous communities face. This includes a lack of quality housing and access to basic services such as functioning water and sewage systems, quality education, and more. Jocelyn Formsma of the National Association of Friendship Centres, or NAFC, which provide culturally enhanced programs and services to urban Indigenous residents, also points to persistent negative effects of Canada's colonial past on our Indigenous population as a contributing factor to this inequality.
3: There are large segments of the Indigenous population and communities that are still struggling with the effects of colonialism. And colonialism hasn't stopped. Although we have made efforts to improve things, we have not been able to get down to the deepest levels of these struggles. If we want to improve the Indigenous economy, we have to get resources to those who need them most.
4: Jeffrey Sear... Managing Partner of Raven Indigenous Capital Partners sees the problems too, but identifies them as a motivating factor for Indigenous entrepreneurs wanting to positively impact their communities.
1: The socioeconomic issues facing our communities are extreme, and Indigenous entrepreneurs are not seeing change or results stemming from traditional government-supported mechanisms. So they are looking for ways to solve these problems through their own innovative solutions.
4: But in order to support and literally build up their communities, Indigenous entrepreneurs and businesses must overcome barriers stemming from Canada's colonial history and its ongoing socioeconomic impacts within Indigenous communities. These gaps put Indigenous entrepreneurs and businesses at a disadvantage in relation to non Indigenous ones operating in Canada's mainstream economy. Shannon Matatawabin, CEO of NACA, the National Aboriginal Capital Corporations Association, sees these gaps perpetuating the divide between Canada's Indigenous and non-Indigenous economies. Even
0: today, barriers continue to put a stranglehold on the Indigenous people's ability to catch up. We are not part of the economy and cannot feel that we are part of Canada until the gaps are addressed. There are currently many barriers and gaps in the Indigenous economy. We need education, training strategies, infrastructure, procurement, Business supports and access to capital.
4: And Metatawabin, Davis, and Sear agree that this last gap, access to capital, is of crucial importance and must be closed now to enable the Indigenous economy to grow.
0: We cannot be successful and be included in the system without access to capital. This has been our biggest need for decades.
2: The main challenges faced by Indigenous entrepreneurs are access to support networks, mentorship, and access to capital.
1: The most critical gap for Indigenous entrepreneurs is access to capital and the knowledge and networks to put that capital to good use.
4: As they highlight, it's not only access to capital that is critical to supporting Indigenous entrepreneurs, businesses, and the entire Indigenous economy, but emphasis is put on access to the knowledge and guidance required to best leverage capital to start, grow, and scale businesses. Our experts point out that many mainstream or non-Indigenous entrepreneurs will often have friends or family who can invest in their businesses themselves, or are connected into business, finance, or other valuable networks that give these entrepreneurs the support they need to fund and launch their businesses properly. But the impacts of colonialism and its enduring structural impediments mean there is not as much creation and transfer of wealth in Indigenous communities. This limits Canada's Indigenous entrepreneurs' access to valuable mentorship and early business funding from friends and family, which is usually where most small businesses get their first round of financing. Here's Clint Davis, CEO of North 35 Capital Partners.
2: Indigenous entrepreneurs do not necessarily have capital behind them or collateral, so accessing capital is their biggest challenge.
4: There's an important point in there, lack of collateral. Indigenous entrepreneurs living on reserve or in social housing often do not own their own home and are therefore unable to collateralize debt. And it is this collateralized debt that usually provides entrepreneurs with their second crucial burst of financing. Raven Indigenous Capital Partners Jeffrey Sear brings it one step further down the SME financing path to highlight another type of financing Indigenous entrepreneurs lack.
1: The other type of capital Indigenous entrepreneurs require is equity financing. Equity financing is an investment that must be patient and designed to be flexible to what the business needs. So the focus is on working with entrepreneurs to create value and growth. We must create funds with these characteristics to address growth within the indigenous economy. This is a missing and crucial component in the ecosystem.
4: And to put it as simply as possible.
1: To solve the challenge of indigenous entrepreneurs' access to capital, we must focus on two types of capital their businesses need, debt financing and equity financing.
4: Naka's metatawabin puts the onus on both the private and public sectors.
0: We are working on tools to engage the private sector on access to capital but the government still needs to step up to provide stimulus to ensure that capital is deployed.
4: Canada's federal government has provided financial support to Indigenous businesses through its funding of the Aboriginal Financial Institutions Network, or the AFIs. This comprises 59 Aboriginal financial institutions across the country that have provided 48,000 loans and $2.7 billion in lending over the last 35 years. It is seen by many, including Clint Davis and Jeffrey Sear, as a big success.
2: The Aboriginal financial institutions play a critical role in supporting Indigenous entrepreneurs because they understand the risk and are not predatory when they invest. This is invaluable.
1: The AFIs have done a pretty exceptional job within the limitations they face, which are the limited resources they've had to lend and the constraints of the specific loan sizes they work within.
4: But as Sear points out, Canada's aboriginal financial institutions are constrained by a lack of financial resources and government support. This, even after the Royal Commission of Aboriginal Peoples recommended that the government increase support by 5% per year over 30 years ago. So it's crucial that the indigenous economy expand its investment pool to include more and bigger investors. Our experts and their organizations are among those leading the way in terms of increasing the breadth and depth of lending pathways, specifically designed to support the growth of the Indigenous economy. This includes Raven's Indigenous Impact Fund, North 35's upcoming Indigenous Infrastructure Fund, and NACA's Indigenous Growth Fund. Here's NACA's Metatawabin.
0: With the introduction of NACA's upcoming Indigenous Growth Fund, we will be able to expand the size of our capital base and raise private sector capital. Institutional investors have a great role to play in developing Canada's Indigenous economy, not only through investing in Indigenous growth fund, but through syndicating projects in Indigenous communities.
4: And he highlights emerging investment trends driven by demographic and social forces that are causing an increasing number of non-Indigenous investors, and even non-Canadian ones, to take notice of the benefits investing in Canada's Indigenous economy offers.
0: The baby boomers are transferring $41 trillion to the millennials. 86% of millennials are looking to achieve a social impact through their purchases or investment. So the financial and investment communities need to start thinking about how to respond to this demand.
4: Raven's Jeffrey Seer sees the opportunities as well.
1: The intrinsic values and aspirations of Indigenous communities and entrepreneurs are aligned with the direction the world is going in. Socially-minded businesses are natural to the vast majority of Indigenous entrepreneurs. Our perspective is aligned with protecting Mother Earth, building community resiliency, and building economic growth in the indigenous population.
4: Jocelyn Formsma, of the National Association of Friendship Centres, also sees the alignment between social finance and business and the indigenous worldview.
3: The indigenous concept of not taking more than you need and using your resources to benefit the community is similar to the concept of social finance. In many ways, social finance is finally catching up to how indigenous communities have operated for a very long time.
4: That's all well and good. But when speaking about impact investing and investment in general, we all know investors need to demonstrate results. Shannon Metatawaben, CEO of NACA, thinks this is where Indigenous communities can position themselves to provide investors with the results they increasingly want to see, those that go beyond financials.
0: The Indigenous community is well-positioned to demonstrate social impact because we have so many economic gaps to fill. There's a huge opportunity for us to participate in partnerships with social impact investors because our economy is virtually untapped.
4: And Jeffrey Sears sees an opportunity to adopt and apply the Indigenous worldview in order to assess and report on the impact investments generate within Indigenous communities and the wider Indigenous economy.
1: Measuring impact is a great task for the investment world. Through an Indigenous perspective, we use a framework where we look at businesses' internal and external impact on both communities enterprises, and people. Investors in Indigenous businesses find this to be the most exciting part of the investment process because, ultimately, we want a human-centered economy that is concerned with the lives of human beings.
4: And North 35's Clint Davis sees the potential as well.
1: Social finance and impact
2: investing are movements that will have a very positive impact on the growth of the Indigenous economy.
4: And this is not only because of changing habits that ascribe greater importance to the social impact generated through one's investments but also through one's consumption patterns and the companies we support. Shannon Metatawabin sees this having an impact on how Canadian companies interact with Indigenous communities, employees, and businesses.
0: There's a big learning curve that needs to take place in corporate Canada. Corporate social responsibility has been in place for about a decade, but corporations are only now seeing the writing on the wall. Millennials have different expectations. Businesses are going to be measured on environment, social, and governance indicators. Corporations will realize that they need to do business differently. They need to have a positive impact on their region. This will have an impact on Corporate Canada's relations with Indigenous communities.
4: Canadian companies must adapt to these expectations and make progress on many key fronts relating to how they interact with Indigenous individuals, communities, and businesses. This includes consulting early with Indigenous communities regarding projects on their land, establishing minimum levels of procurement from Indigenous businesses, appointing Indigenous people to companies' boards, and hiring and training local Indigenous talent within all levels of the workforce. The NAFC's Jocelyn Formsma highlights this need to develop Indigenous communities' human capital especially Indigenous youth.
3: We need to think about how we best invest in Indigenous young people to further develop the skills, opportunities, and knowledge they need to become drivers of their local economies. It is critical that we view Indigenous young people as more than a labour force. We have to look at them as job creators and the leaders of the economy.
4: And it is Indigenous youth, the fastest-growing demographic in Canada, who are already taking charge and will continue to drive forward economic reconciliation a crucial component of Canada's future economy. We asked our leaders what this means to them. For Jocelyn Formsma, economic reconciliation has
3: two main components. There's the reconciliation part, which I look at as upholding rights, including human rights, rights of women, uh, those with disabilities, and indigenous rights. What has happened to our people and the economic disparity in our society is a result of a violation of these rights. The second part is the economy what we as a society produce and consume, and the flow of money, goods, and services. But this cannot only be about profits and returns. There has to be consideration for the social economy, where there's consideration for services to the community and Indigenous ownership and control of infrastructure, decision-making, and such overproduction.
4: For Jeffrey Sear... Cyr- Economic reconciliation is a continuum towards Indigenous economic resilience. Building economic
1: reconciliation is a process, as opposed to an endpoint with a goal. We need resilient economies that are built for Indigenous people in the often remote communities that they live in.
4: For Shannon Metatawabin, economic reconciliation is a return to Indigenous inclusion and prosperity.
0: Economic reconciliation for the Indigenous community means reclaiming and a return to a state where we were prior to contact, being part of the economic ecosystem. In that pre-colonial state, we had vast trade routes, farming, and access to land. We considered ourselves prosperous.
4: For Clint Davis, economic reconciliation is equality of opportunity and recognition of the Indigenous economy's importance to Canada's economic ecosystem and its future economy.
2: Economic reconciliation means opportunities and an equal playing field for Indigenous businesses to participate and be successful in the larger Canadian economy. Looking to the future, I think the Indigenous economy is going to exceed 100 to 150 billion in the next 10 to 15 years. There is really no ceiling to growth right now.
4: This would obviously have a very significant impact on Canada's future economy as a whole. So we asked our experts for their call to action on what must be done now and by who to support growth, independence, and resilience within Canada's Indigenous economy. Clint Davis, CEO of North 35 Capital Partners, puts the focus on procurement and funding.
2: To drive economic reconciliation, we must put in place hard Indigenous procurement targets within all levels of government throughout the country. Not only the federal government, but provincial governments, major municipalities and urban centres across Canada. We must also establish a variety of different funds and investment vehicles to support Indigenous entrepreneurs and to finance Indigenous infrastructure.
4: Jeffrey Sear, Managing Partner of Raven Indigenous Capital Partners, emphasizes the need to increase capital deployment within the Indigenous economy.
1: The wealth holders in the Canadian economy, including high-net-worth individuals, funds, financial institutions, and trusts, must look beyond their traditional investment pools and invest their money and resources into Indigenous-led businesses. Access to capital for Indigenous entrepreneurs must be increased so that Canada can move towards a reconciliation economy.
4: Jocelyn Formsma, Executive Director of the National Association of Friendship Centres, calls on all Canadians to support the Indigenous economy and on investors in particular to support Indigenous youth.
3: Canadians need to hold governments to account and use their spheres of influence to support and invest in Indigenous communities, businesses and entrepreneurs. To strengthen the Indigenous economy, investors need to be supporting by financially investing in Indigenous entrepreneurs.
4: Finally, Shannon Mutatawaben, CEO of NACA, the National Aboriginal Capital Corporation Association, emphasizes the need to recognize the opportunity a strong Indigenous economy represents for Canada's future economy as a whole.
0: Both the government and private sector need to realize that the Indigenous economy is an untapped resource. By building partnerships with Indigenous communities and businesses, there is a significant opportunity for both financial gain, social impact, and prosperity for all of Canada.
4: I'd like to thank NACA, the National Aboriginal Capital Corporations Association, the sponsor that made this episode possible. NACA is a network of 59 Aboriginal financial institutions committed to advancing economic growth for Indigenous people in Canada. It seeks to provide opportunities for Indigenous entrepreneurs and increase prosperity for Indigenous communities. And it does that nationwide. So far, it's provided loans totaling $2.7 billion to Indigenous-owned businesses, and will increase that impact with its upcoming Indigenous growth fund. Visit thefutureeconomy.ca to read the interviews that make up the spotlight feature on the Indigenous economy and the future of economic reconciliation. While there, you should check out our content on other great issues and industries that are defining Canada's future economy. And please subscribe to our newsletter and socials to be notified when we publish content from Canadian future economy leaders that you might be interested in. Many thanks to Florent et and the entire team at thefutureeconomy.ca for working hard to make this project and episode possible. I'm Tim Penkith, founder and editor of thefutureeconomy.ca. I want to thank you for listening. And because it's what we do with all the Canadian leaders we interview, let me ask you, Canada, what's your future economy?